When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Back at it. And man, we got some scrimmage talk to get into based on what some of the coaches had to say after practice today. It's a Mike Babcock Wednesday. Babbers from Hale Varsity will be with us in 20 minutes. Shuey is praying on that warm weather here Sunday and into next week. Get the old putter out. So we'll talk with Mike Shuhart from Wilderness Ridge. And then Bill Bender going to join us. Uh, Bill also put out his ultimate college football top 15 division that you've seen um, the the Athletic and ESPN do. And Bill uh, Bender, a national college football writer, obviously with the sporting news. So we'll get into that. NFL draft a week from tomorrow. So we'll get some thoughts on Zach Taylor, on the Bengals, the quarterback group, and uh, just where things can slot. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-467-76800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. So Elijah, you grew up doing a lot of home improvement, construction work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're very handy. I, I'd like to, I like to say I am. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd say I am personally. I'm not sure. So if, my, yeah. my question is, were you supervised or were you left alone to help dad? Uh, little of both, little of both. Usually it was like, start out supervised and then, all right, you're not going to chop a finger off. Go for it. Right. So the, the, the adhesive materials, oh, it's not stuck to Elijah's face, Mm -hmm. right? You weren't making balloon animals. You weren't going, uh, happy Gilmore with the nail gun. You may be off to the side, but there was no open fire within some of the work you were doing. My point is, is when you have a bad day on the site, you're getting a tetanus shot because there's been skin (laughs) that's been pierced by a sharp object, right? It's a bad day at work. And a good day is, oh man, sweet, we finished the project, on to the next house, Mm -hmm. okay? So Nebraska fans right now are, there's just, just this limbo on the offense you know what you want it to be half a hundred every saturday you want to see power football you want to see the run game you want to see deep passes to the plethora of super talented wide receivers you want to see the tight ends get used you don't want to see any offsides or holdings or false starts by the offensive line right so today by all accounts and you and i were unable to sneak into practice 
Though we tried. We did try. I, I did not. I, I did not try. <laughs> but the long and short of it is, it was not a good day for the offense. Uh, here is Sean Becton, the tight end coach. Uh, he will back up what we've been hearing because he's the one who told us. Today, the offense and defense have been going back and forth all spring. Today, I didn't think the offense came out with the right attitude and mentality that we need to be champions uh, on a daily basis. So we got to learn from that. Uh, we picked it up as the practice went along. Uh, and in order for us to be great, we got to, as soon as we hit that grass field, we got to make sure we're locked and loaded and focused. Uh, for the most part, uh, the defense, you know, pretty much gave it to us today. But the guys will come back. They'll bounce back and learn from it. We kind of needed that a little bit because we, we've been doing extremely well on offense. So when we have a little bit of a setback, we're going to see and challenge our guys and see if they're going to come out ready to go on, on Friday. So this was the, the final scrimmage, right? And you'll get the spring game. That's usually toned down, but but notes are taken, progress is documented, and it ain't over either. Plenty of time between now and May 1st, and, and you're still assessing, you're still grading, you're still trying to figure things out. You know what you got at quarterback. Don't know what you have at either of your guard spots yet. I mean, you've got Piper at one, right? But there's still some push behind him potentially. And then you got Sichterman and Bando on the right side. You've got a receiving core that looked nice, was refreshing to see with an open practice. But today was a scrimmage, so it wasn't seven-on-seven or it wasn't one-on-one drills down the sideline. There was hitting and tackling. And when you hear energy, when you hear consistency – that's just kind of this whole work-in-progress approach. Maybe you have, as a Nebraska football fan right now, knowing what you have with the offense, and then also considering the source. Uh, how many years has Coach McBride been coming on? Probably 12 or 13. God love him. And he's awesome. And what does he say during spring? What does he say during the summer? What does he say during the fall about the back and forth that is a necessary evil? What we don't know is just the, the the ceiling of this defense, okay? You've got a lot of super seniors back. You return nine starters. You got a guy like Cam Taylor Britt that's always cranked up to go play football. Uh, you have some real difference makers on the defensive line this year. You've got some athletes at linebacker, and you got 75% of a secondary that knows what is going to happen with the route, with the play call. I'm not making excuses for the offense. I'm just saying the defense man is playing fast and furious and and free because they've done it for 100 years, most of them. So they're going to hand it to you some days. The, The key for me here with this offense is can you settle in with what, can you identify first what you're good at? Secondly, can you go run it, and can you run it at a high level most of the time, that consistency thing? Third, have you settled in on what you want to be, okay? And what are we hearing a lot about? We're hearing a lot about Yant at running back. Great, good-sized dude behind that offensive line. Give me more. Uh, We know that there's some dudes at wide receiver, 
uh, that have been better to, been able to get separation. And you heard Beckton say it's been a good back and forth. So it's not like the defense has been handing it to the offense every day, all day. You've had good moments with the offense, but when you hear energy, right, that's that uh, – that that hunger, do you come out? Do you come out ready to go? Do you come out ready to kick ass? And defense did today. Uh, offensively, they'll have a chance to respond, and that's that's what you ideally want, right? It's it's what Vegas gets. They get the vig. They get the ten percent, whether they they're going to win more times than they lose. But worst case, they're getting their ten percent. They're getting their commission, and and right now. You hope the spring has gone to the point where both sides of the ball are getting their commission, where you'll have some days where the offense can push the defense, knock the defense down a peg or two. Defense will respond, give it back to the offense. Offense has to go regroup and come out fired up and ready to go and atone. You want the yin and the yang. And today it was it was highlighted by not only Beckton but also coach Austin we'll hear from him in a second just what what didn't happen here is Greg Austin on uh the issues today uh consistency being one and again we didn't see it so were guys not getting open were guys dropping passes was the run game not good enough on first down was the run game not good enough on third and short where were the quarterbacks at with their throwing you know what what was it just about sluggishness what was the uh, the point of attack like on the line of scrimmage? We don't know, other than it wasn't up to their standard. Consistency. Wanted to see consistency. Um, guys have been consistent all spring and um, didn't come out as consistent as we wanted to today. Across the board. Yeah, it was the whole offense. I mean, it was pick a position. You know, guys weren't dialed into the details of what they were doing. And um, certainly, you know, our defense played with more energy this morning initially. And, uh, you know, they carried it throughout practice. We had some bright moments, but, you know, overall just was not to our standard. Details and energy. Should we play some ominous music? (laughs) Because the details part has been what's been driving Nebraska fans nuts. You're waiting for the offense to take off. I will say this. I don't know how you – they have a high level of expectation down there. But in in their defense – Good luck getting me some consistency against a veteran defense when I'm still figuring out my starting five offensive linemen and most of my running backs, at least to our thought process, haven't been carrying the football because they've been dinged. Now, Yank could be phenomenal, and I hope he is if you're a Nebraska fan because of his size, pairing that with the offensive line, but but Yance also a story right now because guess what Elijah he's available right he's one of the backs that's available along with Tompkins we saw last Saturday along with Scott so there's there's your three right now but it'd be hard for me to expect a ton of consistency from the offense working towards it yes but uh, you're going to get it handed to you in a scrimmage based on where this offense is compared to where the D is. Yeah, and my question is, is whenever the defense is, quote-unquote, handing it to you, are you still able to be... Those, pro- are, those are my words. Yeah, yeah, but are you still able to be productive as an offense? Because we saw last year, whenever you came out in the defense punching your mouth, uh, take the Illinois game, for example, uh, 
the offense rolled over. They weren't productive at all. Everything just seemed to to fall even or fall apart even more after like the first quarter. You know, just because they had no confidence. My question is, when they're going through these practices and the defense is clearly winning the day, can they at least be productive enough to get a couple first downs, drive the ball a little bit? What's the what is the the definition of the defense handing it to the offense? That's what I want to know from this practice. Is it? Yeah, these guys can't string three together, three, three plays together, and get ten yards. Or is it? Yeah, they're the, these drives are stalling out around the forty yard line, which is it, it's still progress, but it's mm-hmm. it's things you can work on. And, and we don't fully know, no. but it, it's it's something to talk about today because of just how blunt Coach Beckton and Coach Austin were today about it, and the energy part is I'm not concerned about it. You're going to have Ups and downs, if you're 18 to 22, you can't have them during the fall. Mm-hmm. And days like today will reinforce, hopefully, that you can't have them on Saturdays uh, from an energy and a, and a you know, a detail standpoint. Another thought here from, from Coach Becton here uh, with uh, the offense today. And the, the good news is, is the, the offense has gotten better, I will say that has shown some progress, and, and you're, you're kind of in figure-it-out mode right now with some known quantity at, at quarterback, at least your starter. That's the other part. You know, what when we talk about the inconsistency and the energy, is, is it, you know, the backup quarterbacks that had an off day, or is it more about the offensive line, or is it about the receiver room? And I could see the receiver room, as nice as those options are, I could see the receiver room, getting deed up pretty well by the Nebraska secondary because that is your strength of the football team is your two safeties in, in your one corner. And you got other guys at that, that oppo spot that are really fighting like hell to win a spot opposite Cam Taylor Britt. Not that they've handed out starting positions, but based on how we feel or what we see. Uh, more from Becton. Well, they played with a more intensity than the offense. And it started, it started the first play. They brought the energy. You can tell they had the energy. Offensively, we didn't have the energy. And that's our, on the offensive coaches and, and all, all the head coach to make sure our entire team is ready to go to practice. It shouldn't, it shouldn't wait 20 plays in for the offense to get it together. But we're, we're going to bounce back. We're going to bounce back, and we're going to fix it. Uh, we've been having a great spring. We're not going to let one mishap at the start of practice uh, interfere with what we're trying to get, get done this season. So the proverbial wake-up call, and, and that's okay. As we fast forward here to projections here, spring leading to summer, summer leading to fall, you've got your FPI numbers that are out. And I know we touched on this a little while back, but just in, in comparison to the rest of the Big Ten, Nebraska has the most difficult schedule, strength of schedule, in the conference this year. They have the 19th most difficult difficult schedule overall. And if you're looking at FPI, and the FPI looks at how you compare to an average football team, and what Nebraska's not done is lived up to the hype. Or the hype being, okay, and the last two seasons, Nebraska started out around uh, you know num- uh, number 22 in, in, in 2020, uh, ranked 33rd in the FPI in 2019, and they finished at 44th and 47th, respectively. Uh, they, in, in 2018, they were 50th, and they finished 57th. 
right now they're they're ranked 46th, uh, projected at a six and six mark if you round up the 5.7 or eight in the win column. But Nebraska has a chance, 54% chance per the FPI to win six games this year, which gets you bowl eligible. And the schedule is very real. Oklahoma's the second-ranked team. Ohio State's number five. Whiskey and Iowa are 15th and 23rd. Northwestern comes in at 30. Buffalo's number 64. And for good measure, Illinois, which, man, the more I think about that, that's going to be a... Well, it's a huge opener, but it's going to be a tough, tough opener just because Bielema can, dare I say this out loud, can coach. <laughs> and he knows the Big Ten. They're, uh, they're FBI's number 87. We'll get some thoughts from Babbers here, just what he has heard from the coaches, kind of doing the tea leaves thing, also some Husker baseball. Great to be with you. Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! You know, scrolled through the uh, mashup video from Nebraska football social media. I saw a fumble and I saw an interception. Tables are being flipped right now. That dreaded turnover word. We say hi to Mike Babcock, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how are you? Hey, I'm doing okay, Smitty. How about you? We're all right. We're just trying to sift through kind of the the tone post-practice here with the uh, the offense and the defense. And I want to go back to, to your expertise here. And believe it or not, right, I mean, there were some, some days that the offense – wasn't Osborne-esque when, when Tia was calling the plays during spring and during fall, right? I mean, you remember some bad or some, dare I say, disappointing days of offensive practice uh, with Nebraska football. It can't always be the, uh, the scoring explosion. No, it can't always be. And it, it, you know, one of the things you have to look at is how you define it. I mean, so the defense, you, you got to feel good about the defense too, right? Mm-hmm. So... Was it just lack of energy, the, the reason the offense didn't perform up to standard, or was it because the defense performed up to standard and the defense is going to be pretty good? I mean, it, that's the problem in the spring is how you evaluate when you're going against yourself and you say, well, the offense didn't produce, but that means the defense probably did. So, you know, how do you define it? Was it to- totally just a lack of energy? Uh, spark what you needed on offense, or was it because the defense is going to be pretty good? That you know, that's the question that you that you would ask, I think. And, and Mike, with as good as we were expecting the defense to be, all those returning starters coming back, are you a little surprised it took us this far in spring to get some sort of you know warning bells? Oh, the offense didn't have a good day. The defense really really beat them out there. I, I mean, it seems to me it's almost it could almost be seen as a positive that it took what two and a half weeks of spring ball before we're finally getting word that, oh, the defense beat the offense in a practice? Well, you know, uh, Elijah, it could have been, you know, just that the, the coaches didn't think that the, the energy was there on the offense and that the defense has performed. I mean, DeAndre Thomas uh, said on Monday that, uh, you know, he felt like across the board offense and defense was as good as he's seen since he's been here. Um, and they, and so, you know, he was very positive about where the defense was. So I think that the defense has probably been doing something, and maybe that was just a question of, 
of energy, and you know maybe they've been kind of a it's been kind of a standoff. You know the offense has played pretty well, and the defense has played pretty well, and and the coaches on both sides can feel good about it. But I, you know, I don't know if it necessarily has to be one or the other, but that's a possibility is, is the way I would look at it. And and I don't think that the defense probably waited uh, this long to to really perform to standard. Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. So it's okay to have a football team that has a defense that is the strength of the team. I remember, oh man, I look back to some of the really good years for Nebraska and how incredible that 99 defense was. And that was, you know, the, the Newcomb Crouch ordeal. And eventually they settled in on Crouch, and I'm not calling this year's team 99. They finished number two in the country. But the point of it is it took a while for that offense to kind of click, but once it did, man, they were they were dynamite. But you had Mike and Ralph uh, Brown and Vandenbosch and company and Steve Warren killing people. I mean, they were they were doing their thing, and and it's okay to lean. What What is the ceiling, or what is, what is your definition of a pretty good defense in the Big Ten for Nebraska? Well, um, you got to be aggressive, and I think you have to create turnovers, and you got to get pressure on the quarterback. But you know, the game has changed um, dramatically. I think in the last twenty years, to where what's a good defense then, and what's a good defense now, is going to be dramatically different. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to limit offenses to just a handful of yards. You know, uh, offensively, it you've got to. I think you've got, like I said, I think you have to create turnovers, apply pressure, and and uh, um, it's it's just not the same in terms of numbers mm-hmm. statistically. You know sure. that you're not going to give up very many yards and so forth. You're probably going to do, you're probably going to give up some yardage, um, but you need to make the plays when 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 they when they count. You got to keep teams out of the end zone as best you can. Um, because boy, offenses are so potent now, and they've made adjustments, and the rules have changed a little bit to uh, I think favor the offense. Um, so it's it's a it's a dramatically different situation, I think. You can give up between the twenties as long as you're getting off the field. You know, seventy percent of the time, seventy sixty five percent of the time on third down, and it's field goals or it's really tough red zone. I mean, those are all situational statistics that. I look at a Northwestern team who's been really good the last couple of years and won the West. Uh, their offenses have been <laughs> they, they yeah. haven't they haven't wrecked the car, right? Yeah, <laughs> they just right. keep it on the road. But man, the defenses came to play and kept him kept them in about every every football game to the tune of two West titles in three years. Now the the three and nine year was horrific, but long and short. You can you can do well in the Big Ten with your defense and some special teams in a run game, and you know that's where I want to go next is is the run game. What what's your takeaway here? What do you what do you read into with uh, with with Jock Yant at running back? Is this a, a steal for Nebraska? And I know that it's, it's just spring ball, or is it more about availability here? Where Yant's a nice story, but. You have a number of guys that did get scholarships, and, and yeah, may get one, uh, but they're they're watching and not playing this time of year. Yeah, um, I, I think you have to sort of temper the, uh, the enthusiasm or whatever the word is you want to call it um, in relationship to Yant, just because it is the spring, and you know I've seen we've seen guys that have really. 
you know, drawing a lot of attention in the spring, and then when you get to fall, it's it's uh, it's a whole different thing. And when you've got guys that are injured, and you know, you can't get them in there, and they don't get an opportunity, um, it kind of changes things. So. Um, I, I think it's kind of a wait-and-see thing, but it's certainly a good thing, you know, that the positive things are being said about him. And, I, you know, I think he had the potential to be a scholarship uh, recruit, but I think there was some question about eligibility or whatever um, that maybe put some teams off on, on whether they were going to offer him or not. Um, and so Nebraska could have gotten a steal there, but, uh, again, I think you have to temper your enthusiasm till, till you get to fall to see how things go. Mike, the way I see this is it's another big-bodied running back who comes into this Nebraska system and actually seems to fit well. I know it's early. There's been injuries in the running back room. We're not actually quite sure how good Yant actually is. But I look back at Divine and Zigba, who's a a bigger-bodied guy than the guys that the the coaching staff brought in initially. And I think back to Greg Bell and Maurice Washington. And you can say the same uh, for Dedrick Mills, another bigger-bodied guy who likes contact. And and then we see Yant come in, and he's overtaking these guys who have been here for a while. Um, But they don't have that that big wrecking ball-type body that he does. Is is this just Nebraska's progression under Scott Frost in the Big Ten, going back to a a traditional-style Big Ten running back? Well, maybe you, maybe you need that, you know. Maybe you need that in the Big Ten. I mean, he's listed at two twenty-five, but I, we found out today he's like two forty, right? So, <laughs> I mean, he, two fifty, man. <laughs> he's, he's a big guy, um, and 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 that's probably going to help you in the Big Ten. And you know, that's one of the things that that we've seen is that I think when Nebraska came into the uh, when when Frost got here, I guess was it Scott or was it Bill Moose that said. They're going to have to adjust to Nebraska, and Nebraska, I think, has realized now it has to adjust to the Big Ten, and that's probably one of the areas. But um, a big back certainly helps, and offensive line still starts with that. So you got to feel good about the offensive line, and you put a big back in there, maybe that's the answer. You know, I, I think Coach Austin is loving the fact he, he said today nine guys. He's got nine Big Ten dudes, and you got to find five, and, and you think three are – kind of solidified with some some backups that continue to develop Uh, you're still figuring out the guard spot which is nice but once that settles and gels you can at the end of spring kind of pencil in who did what for you and then move forward here and then kind of refine it and and settle uh, as you get into the fall mike uh, a couple minutes here Uh, your takeaway here on michigan state nebraska again on a roll they swept penn state they're on the road uh, in, in East Lansing, I know the, the Michigan series looms as well, but first things first, Sparty, what, uh, what do we know about Michigan State? Well, you know, uh, Will Bolt said that the, the, it's a speed team. They got, they got speed. They got good speed. They're not going to hit a lot of home runs. They hit doubles, um, and, and they're aggressive. They're, they're speed. But, um, you know, Nebraska continues to, you know, the mantra is just uh, game to game. And, uh, you know, gritty beats pretty. And today it was uh, somebody asked uh, Jackson Hallmark if playing uh, a couple of road trips back-to-back, a little bit of distance, it's certainly not as bad as Penn State, but you still got to make some travel there. Um, uh, don't care. He said that's, that's another one of the mantras around Nebraska baseball, don't care. You know, if you got to travel, don't care. If you're a little bit getting tired as you get into 24 games into the season, don't care. Um, you just do what you do. So um, I think that's that's how you have to look at it. Going to Michigan State is the same way. And you got you know six guys hitting over 
the first six guys in the batting order are all hitting over 300. Man. And you're getting production one through nine. That's You can't ask for anything more than that. About a minute left here, Mike. And when I look at the Huskers, uh, their standings in the Big Ten, they're at the top, a half-game lead on Michigan. Uh, and it almost seems like the season's going to finish as a two-horse race. And guess what? Last weekend of the series is Michigan coming to town. So kind of a two-part question here. Uh, how big is that series against Michigan going to be? It's obviously going to be huge. I think it's going to determine the Big Ten. But then how important is it for Nebraska to go and sweep or at least get two or three against Michigan State this weekend? Well, I think it's important. I, every series is important. I think getting two out of three is really important, and I think you know the Nebraska players have said that. But um, the key is that the players are not looking for that Michigan series. That you don't look past what you got ahead ahead of you, and they got Indiana down the line too. So um, the the schedule is kind of backloaded with some pretty tough tough opponents. But uh, uh, as long as the players are not looking ahead, uh, they're taking it game to game the way they say they are. Um, I think Nebraska's in a pretty good position to uh, to get two, at least two out of three this weekend and, and, and move forward. Mabbers, what's coming up in the Hale Varsity uh, Magazine issue that's uh, slated to go to print? Well, there's a, really good, uh, it, there's a really good story on Kate Smith, the golfer, uh, the University of Nebraska golfer that uh, played in the amateur, women's amateur at Augusta National. That's, that's really good. And then there's a, Derek uh, Peterson did a nice story on uh, um, uh, spring football uh, and uh, and the offense. So um, those are kind of the two uh, feature things. And and uh, Brandon Vogel has a nice column on uh, volleyball. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of good stuff in there. Getting ready and uh, working for the yearbook, which is two months down the line yet, too. So we can't wait for that. Babbers, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time today. Hey, great talking to you. Be safe. Eddie. All right, Mike Babcock with us on Hale Varsity. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Thank you, Kramer. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. We'll uh, check in with Bill Bender. The sporting news is... Bill going to sound off here as he's got his Super League top 15. We bring in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, you got the uh, the weatherman working for you here starting Sunday into next week. How excited are you to be outdoors? I know you're probably standing outside right now just smiling at the progress being made at Wilderness. But uh, the weather should match the uh, the time of year eventually. It's about time. My goodness. Where's that warm weather been? Waiting. Everybody's been waiting oh, for it. No, I, I, I need to get out and see you. And I know you got Fit Fridays rocking and rolling. Let's start there before we get into a little football and golf. But uh, folks can pop on by Wilderness Ridge. They can also uh, check out a way to get a membership for sure and go have a bourbon or a vodka on the deck. I mean, those are all oh, yeah. awesome things. But the Fit Fridays are super key. And, uh, man, you got some, some great uh, gear coming in, and you're there to help folks out. No question. We have uh, uh, Ping that's coming in this Friday, so the Ping rep will be in with all their new stuff. Which they have quite a, quite a few new products out, so Ping will be in this Friday. Next Friday we'll have Mizuno. So anything you want to uh, come out and try and hit, get fit for, call us up. We'll hook you up with a time and 
get you fit up. Let's get a little bit deeper into that because I got fit and I've got some hybrids that are Mizuno, and dear old right. dad, dear old dad had um, had the ping thing working, and and I will I will the the ping uh, off the tee box. Let's just say it doesn't look like me off the tee box anymore. <laughs> so the equipment matters is what I'm getting at. And, you know, if you get it fit perfectly, man, that can make it more enjoyable. No question about it. No, fit's very important. I mean, it's, it's not the all end all to everything, but it sure does help, especially with the new technology they have out. There's so many cool things they can do with the technology as far as adjusting to the heads and finding the right shaft and the right length and, just helps you hit it more solid. You know, the more solid you hit it, the straighter you hit it, the more fun you have. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, Shuey, what are you wanting to see uh, come May 1st, aside from sunshine in an early morning tea time? For, let's talk football a minute here. Your level of concern when you hear the offense had a bad day today? Oh, uh, I'm more concerned about our defense. I think if our defense can can play halfway decent, um, I think our offense will be up and down for a while. A lot of new guys, mm-hmm. young. You don't have any of your running backs in there, you know. So a lot of it's on the offense. I think is going to be how how healthy do they get and how up to speed do they get, you know. Which I you, you got all summer. I would anticipate that, and I'd see that coming along. And you know, Adrian is. Has he taken a step in, you know, being older and wiser and more mature back there? You know, can he can he just manage it better? Because I think a lot of those young guys will come along. I mean, it sounds like there's a ton of talent there. Mm-hmm. They just got to get reps and they got to get comfortable out there playing. Mike, whenever you look at the, the defense real quick, um, just – what, what are your expectations for them this year, and what are you looking for them in the spring game? I mean, I think everyone's expecting at least as good as last year with all those returning starters, um, but uh, do you think we could be looking at, at top 25 defense possibly, or is that too much to ask? Uh, I think so. It's all going to – to me, and it has been for a long time, it's like how much pressure can you get on the quarterback? I mean, they, they haven't got pressure on the quarterback for years, so it's like can your two DNs – basically be able to get pressure on the quarterback. That makes everybody's life easier. It makes your linebackers' life easier. It makes your DB's life easier if you can put a little pressure on the quarterback. If you can't put any pressure on the quarterback, I don't care how good they are. And they can only cover for so long. So it's like that, that, that's my always my thing that I keep looking at going into the season is that do we have some DNs that can put pressure on the quarterback? There's a roster full of outside linebackers and defensive linemen, but we just don't know, at least based on last year. You saw him get after Purdue. You saw him get after Rutgers. But a lot of, a lot of the, the better teams had time to throw the pill around. Now, I, I do like the, the ability to stop the run because that's your house of cards to me. House of cards to me is can you stop the run? But to your point, you know, the, the next step's getting after the quarterback. And, I just don't know if they don't have a dude or they're still developing a dude to go terrorize a quarterback. I think, uh, you know, Randy Gregory, I think Malik Collins collapsed in the pocket. Zaire, yeah. Zaire Anderson was good off the edge. I mean, Nebraska did a lot. Nebraska also, Shuey, I mean, they, they brought a lot of pressure with their corners. And I think, uh, you know, I think of Deontay Williams with the uh, the old strip sack, that's my ball punk. 
against Penn State with the scoop and score. So are you yeah. are you still going to bring pressure from your secondary, or can you count on your backers or your, or your defensive line to just go win? Well, if you can get the combination, man, then you're really good. <laughs> you know, because you know you you brought some DBs in there, so if you can get some, you know, DN pressure, and you and you can bring that in every now and then, that's just that much more pressure you're putting on the quarterback. And to me, that's the key, man. If your quarterback doesn't have time, I mean, he only, there's only so much he can do. So it's like you got to be able to get after him, you know, and then that causes them three and outs, which gets our offense more time to have the golf. Uh, the, the football, so it's just you got to get pressure on the quarterback, I and mean, that's that's my biggest thing. Shuey is with us, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, a thought here as we kind of look towards the U.S. Open uh, out at uh, Torrey Pine South in San Diego, and of course the Women's Open uh, going to be in San Francisco at the Olympic Club. Uh, a thought on both of those courses as we kind of preview uh, the uh, the U.S. Open here, men's and women's. Yeah, Torrey Pines is it's a big golf course now. When they redid it, added a bunch of length to it, uh, kind of narrowed some of the holes up. I mean, that's that's a big golf course. So you got to hit it long. You got to hit it pretty. You got any time you play U.S. Open, that rough's always up. Fairways are narrow, so you better be able to hit it in a fairway. But you better be able to hit it somewhere too. So it'll be fun. I mean, it's a great venue, you know, and and. The West Coast has a lot of great golf courses, you know, with the women out there and the men out there. Uh, pretty special. Shuey, how can folks get a hold of you, find you, and get more info on a, on a membership? Yeah, just give us a call out here at Wilderness Ridge, and we can take care of anything you need. If you have information, if you, if you need information on membership, we'll send you in the right direction. Club fitting. Um uh, Anything along those lines, just give us a call out here, and we'll be happy to help you. Go see Shuey. Shuey will do this again next week. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Thank you. Guys, stay safe. All right. There he is, Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey is uh, he's keeping warm. He's probably pacing around because he can get you some lessons, some work done on your game indoors, obviously. But Shuey's an outdoor guy, man, and... Uh, once it gets warm. Do you golf much? No, I'm more of a bowling guy myself. It's like the cheaper version of golf. Okay, so, you know, we went with uh, Will Willie J a couple weekends ago. And his glorious mullet was putting for dough. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender on the way. Sporting news. Some college football. Some Husker thoughts. NFL draft almost a week away. A reminder to buckle up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before any more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Uh, A DUI costs you more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So as uh, we're getting back to it, have you ever been out to like Yellowstone or out in nature and, and actually seen a bear? 
actually seen a bear? Like, like a live bear. Like we saw a buffalo. We saw a donkey named Icaramba when we were kids out in Yellowstone or at Fort Robinson, I should say. Big difference. Point is, is uh, the, the, the donkey stuck his face in the passenger window because we had it cracked. We didn't roll the window down to say, hey, would you like some Cheetos? But I'm, I'm scrolling through uh, some social media here and... How many jackasses decide to not only use their camera up close and personal with a grizzly bear, but also open the door? I mean, it's like <laughs> when bears get angry. And I'm watching a video feed here. Well, I've seen I've seen a lion in the wild. Oh man! Okay, oh, so, yeah, because you've been on a safari. Yeah, it was it was two lions actually, and they were sizing you up. No, they they were they were. We'll say husband and wife. Okay. Oh, oh, they're busy. <laughs> they were busy. <laughs> I guess that, I mean, maybe not many people have seen that. I don't know, but they were. <laughs> oh, who hasn't gone to the zoo and gotten sex ed 101 yeah. by mistake when you're about four? <laughs> Mommy, what's that? <laughs> little afternoon delight. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest thing to explain to Junior, we were at the Omaha Zoo, was... There's like four of them. <laughs> uh, busy. <laughs> you got to explain the concept of swingers? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It's no longer that they spit at you or throw their poo. No. They're, uh, they're auditioning. Okay. Uh, speaking of auditions, you know, Nebraska working on their punting. That's the best I could do transitioning from zoo mating to uh, Nebraska's punting. Uh, this is pretty good. Connor Colt laid out just all the work that went into to our friend from Australia, uh, Dan Cherney. And, and he's, you know, you get an Aussie punter, they can kick the hell out of the ball. They're also tough dudes. You look at all the Aussie folks in the NFL, uh, they take pride in being part of the special teams tackle brigade. brigade. So uh, it's been a learning year for Churdy as he was getting healthy from uh, from an injury, but uh, this is pretty good from post-practice today. I think he's still trying to understand the game of football uh, coming from Australia. Yeah, I don't think he – he's a little confused that all he has to do is go out there and punt the ball and maybe get a tackle if, if need be. The fact he didn't know the difference between offense and defense, we had to start pretty broad. Uh <laughs> and how many yards it was for a first down and all that. But, um, no, he's he's getting the hang of it real well. So, good. You're, you have one job, bro, and that's put it inside the 20. Fair enough. I mean, maybe he can, like, maybe we could use him some other places, too. Well, if, if, if he's a... He looks like he's, he's a pretty well-built dude. He's yeah, a big guy. No, he likes golf. So, Bill Bender will check in. Sporting news, thoughts on the Big Red and the NFL draft. It's Hale Varsity, a Wednesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it at Tower 2 at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to talk some college football. Love spending time with Bill Bender of the Sporting News at Bill Bender 92 is where you follow him on Twitter. You read him for college football, sportingnews.com. Bill, what's going on, man? How are you? There's snow on the ground in Ohio, Chris. What is going on? And uh, we walked to the bus stop this morning. My daughter said these uh, snowflakes are pretty, and I said, not in April, they're not. So uh, <laughs> that's where we're at, but uh, good to talk to you as always. Great to catch up. Hey, you mentioned that that dreaded S word because there was, uh, fl- I, you know, I was doing the show, look out the old uh, window of the studio, and it's Siberia, you know, it's planted Hoth outside, and thankfully there was not much uh, accumulation, and Monday we're looking at 70s, and I'll go find my putter. So that's that's the outlook, but spring football's good, man. Nebraska has some, some fellas that could be uh, pretty big time uh, catching the football. Uh, they're, they're a work in progress, Bill, uh, finding a running back. I think there's talent there, but there's not a lot of uh, availability, and it looks like a new and improved Adrian Martinez. So, hey, there's my report to you on Big Red football, but spring's about optimism. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Ohio State had their spring game, and once all these spring games are over, I'll probably get into a readjusted top 25, but it's good that we're having spring games. It's good yeah. that spring practices seem to go off with not too many hitches. Uh, me and the family got a chance to go to a Reds-Indians game over the weekend, Ooh. and that was a kind of an emotional time because none of us had been in a park in, like, over a year, and it's very, you know, sports are obviously very important to my family, so... It is a, an exciting time, and, I, and it's good to see Nebraska, as you were saying before I came on, that you know, some guys that can catch the football a little bit, give Martinez some options at the passing game. i got to ask you, we try and hit a ballpark, every, a different ballpark every year. So Junior has been to uh, he's been to, to to the Rockies Stadium. He's been to the Royals. Obviously, he gets down to to Yankee Spring Training with Papa Al. But if we're and we uh, we went up to the the new Twin Stadium a couple three years ago, that was just fantastic. If if you got to tell me where to go, do I go to Cincy or do I go to Cleveland's ballpark first? Oh, that's a tough call. I mean, honestly, you should go to Pittsburgh first. Okay. Uh, PNC might be my favorite one of the three in this area. It's such a beautiful ballpark. You're right on the river. Um, Cincinnati does it right. If you go there, you can sit up top, and it's not too bad. Their outfield seats are good. And you sit behind home plate, you get full view of the high river. It's pretty nice. And But, uh, you know, my, my wife and son and daughter are all Indian fans, and we, we really like going up the progressive field formerly the Jake and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just be easy in and out about it. So I, I think you can't go wrong either way. Prices are affordable. Okay. Uh, and we saw some pretty good baseball. We get And we always like going down to the Indian Red game because uh, – little more heat on it when you got two Ohio teams going. Big time, absolutely. So uh, the the answer is yes. Check out all three. Bill Bender with his Sporting News joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, uh, really enjoy this topic. Enjoy your work with the, the Super League discussion. And uh, it was pretty prominent on our show yesterday. And you have your, your top 15 in, in your Super League criteria is pretty cut and dry. It's revenue, it's record, it's rings. Also, draft picks are very important. In your top 15, um, very high level. Some have Nebraska in 
that uh, Super League. Some do not. You have Nebraska right on the cusp. And I can see the arguments for no Nebraska based on, on their last five years. I mean, they, they are a 19-30 and 30 football team. Uh, the last 10 years, things shake out to about a 7-6 and six record. The Polini years, though, very productive with tw- with 27 games over 500 and you know a, a few trips to at least the conference title game but nebraska has been in this just weird decade and and right now coach frost trying to get it shifted around you know when it came to, to just leaving nebraska out where did they fall short in your opinion uh, was it more about just relevancy, big wins, or I guess what, what weighed heaviest to, to keep them out of the party? I mean, the record, obviously, and the NFL draft picks would be the two categories they fell short. Now, revenue, they are a, right there with the biggest brands, and I tried to balance all that out. I mean, if you take the top 15 revenue-producing schools, you know, Texas, Michigan, they'll never leave this league. Mm-hmm. And people would say, well, why are Texas and Michigan in there? Well, the money talks. Um, and then I did, one of the categories I did was I took the last 15 schools to win a national championship, mm-hmm. and they got a little more weight. And, and Nebraska still falls on that line, but I think Nebraska and Tennessee, which were both excluded, find the same problem. They're still trying to recapture some of that 90s heyday, and they've both failed to do that. I think that's a fair assessment of the program. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, you could, but you know, with a couple big seasons, there's the way this league would work, and I like the relegation factor. Like a Nebraska and a Tennessee could take the spots of a Penn State and a uh, Miami in a heartbeat, right? And, and in a lot of ways, Miami's still trying to capture that '90s heyday. Penn State hasn't won a national championship since 1986, Chris. That's crazy to think about, given how good their program's been. It is, and they're right there. I know they finished number two in 94 to Nebraska. Penn State's been in some New Year's Day sixes. They've won a Big Ten. They've beaten Ohio State. James Franklin has done a phenomenal job there. They just haven't been able to slay Ohio State consistently enough, but neither's most teams not named Alabama or Clemson, right? So they're, they're not super unique there. Penn State's had a lot of recency and they've been successful and they've been a, a top 10 program, right? They've won 9, 10, 11, 12 games and uh, there, there's your argument there. And I guess when we talk shelf life of, of your last national championship, Penn State's not won one for since the old Shane Conlon era, and Notre Dame hasn't won one with, uh, you have to go back to 88, but both of those teams have been in the playoff conversation, let alone made, made, Notre Dame has made two playoff appearances the last four years, so I think you can safely give both teams the the look in that top 15 here for your Super League based on their recency. Nebraska's last bowl, has well, it was the Music City Bowl against Tennessee, and that's going on four years. But I think Nebraska, once and if things get shifted around, once a blue a blue blood, always a blue blood, you'll be able to come back. And and I yeah, think, and I think that's sure. that's one and, thing and Nebraska fans look at. The, the fun part of putting this list together was kind of seeing how those four factors shook out, and of course the NFL draft one was one 
one of my colleagues, Matt Lutowski, suggested, mm-hmm. and he was right. And I kind of made the joke, well, what about graduation rates? <laughs> <laughs> we know what uh, – you, you don't see graduation rates posted on the halls in all these athletic facilities. You see the All-Americans and the NFL draft picks, right? So I still think that would be fun. The concept here, obviously – it's kind of fun to me too because I, I tell my buddies all the time there are weekends when I'm like I don't need to watch Ohio State beat Rutgers by 40 I'm sorry yeah. I don't need to watch Ohio State beat Maryland by 60 um, you know you want to spice it up a little bit this would be that NFL white we always talk about mm-hmm. and, and you got to think of it this way too if they did something like this it would incentivize you know putting more into the program you know making nebraska better making texas better making michigan better and i think it would balance out the league a little bit i don't watch a lot of european soccer i'm sorry same (laughs) it's not that i hate it it's just that i don't have time Mm -hmm. i'm doing so many other sports that's the one that i just don't watch enough of let me ask you this uh nebraska you can make an argument for you can make an argument against but they're they're right there. They come in 18 in your list of 24 with this Super League of your top 15. Wisconsin's got a great argument with where they're at. Uh, they've even been to, to some New Year's Day sixes, obviously. But they've they've been so close, but they haven't won a conference title since 2012. Iowa's been pretty consistent as well. Uh, they're uh, they're a team to to talk about. Stanford's been a bit down, but they could come back up. They're not a blue blood suit per se, but they they've when they've got it right with their head coach, they've been good. Okie State's usually right there. Washington's fallen off a little bit, but they're you know their playoff uh, appearance team. What's your take on Oregon? What's your take on A and M? Those are two schools that A and M had their best season in forever last year with Jimbo there. I think Oregon's righted the ship with Cristobal. And I don't know if they can get back to, to Pete, I, I should say, I about said Pete Carroll, forgive me, uh, to Chip Kelly. Uh, good. I don't know. I, I think they, they could get back in that realm of, of winning the Pac-12 again. But, man, it seems like overall the Pac-12 is just kind of an afterthought. Yeah, in Oregon, you know, that Nike money is always there. Oh, yeah. And obviously they've had some success, I think they would probably have the edge over a Texas A&M in this particular instance. But, you know, Oregon doesn't draw a ton of revenue. Oregon doesn't draw the rate. Nobody, like, goes out of their way to watch Oregon. You know what I mean? And that's part of this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, and another school, not the you know, Texas A&M, same deal, but there were some people pushing back saying, well, why isn't Wisconsin in this And my over Michigan? Mm-hmm. And my answer would be simple. Does Paul Christ... T- trend on Twitter when he loses a game? No. No. Does Jim Harbaugh trend on Twitter when he misses a first down? Yes. So I think a lot more people in general care about Michigan more than they do Wisconsin for better or worse. And they're the third highest revenue producing school. Michigan would be in this league. I don't know what the Premier League comparison is. I'm sure there's like a fat cat franchise Mm -hmm. in soccer that underperforms and you can make that kind of distinction with Michigan. Some people would want to make that distinction with Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame's made two playoff appearances in the last five years. Clemson's a team that has been so good the last decade. 
But uh, And Bill Bender's with us. We're talking the, the Super League here. It's been a fun topic this week. His top 15. Check that out. Sportingnews.com at BillBender92. You know, we're not that far removed from Clemson being a top seven or eight preseason team. And then they go 10-4 and four in an OK ACC, the term Clemsoning. But, man, they've once they got it right and they got their quarterback set up, figured out, uh, their assistants haven't gone anywhere. They've put a ton of dudes in the NFL. They're killing it. But, man, Clemson, it took Clemson. Man, they, they, they really had to grind to get over that hump. But it's been very fruitful. But they're, they're newer to this domination. But they are, they are something to behold because they're always in that postseason. Well, have we made the Super League in the 90s, Clemson wouldn't be anywhere near it. Exactly. You know, Georgia Tech would be a better bet to be in this league than, than Clemson at that point. And I think they are kind of the model success story, and I've said it for a couple years now, where you could make the argument in the last 50 years Dabo Sweeney's done the best coaching job in college football in turning that program from the Clemsoning, from the punchline, and, and – one other thing to consider, how many programs, and they are objectively the second biggest program in their state. Mm-hmm. So South Carolina is a bigger football program than Clemson, has a bigger following, you know, all those kind of things. And Clemson built a national championship powerhouse in the same state. Mm-hmm. So that rarely, if ever, happens. It would be like, you know, Oregon State, be, or, or I always use the analogy, it'd be kind of like Cincinnati overtaking Ohio State here in Ohio. That wow. would be the biggest story in college football if that ever happened. And Cincinnati's had good teams, but they've never overtaken the Buckeyes in terms of general interest. Hmm. Bill Bender's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, uh, going to switch gears and, and talk some NFL draft. We love talking Bengals with you. Uh, Zach Taylor, obviously the Nebraska tie. Joe Burrow, uh, till he got hurt, was having a nice rookie season. What does Cincinnati want? What does Cincinnati need at that fifth pick here? They're asking you, the Bengals fan, to uh, to make a call. What do you go with? Do you go with the offensive line help, or do you go with one of these talented skill guys? I think they have to draft Penny Sewell, even though they do have two tackles. They got Riley Reef on a mm-hmm. prove it deal. But I say that, Chris, knowing they're probably a good chance they're going to draft Jamar Chase. Okay. Uh, the best receiver in the draft, another target, obviously had a prolific season with Joe at LSU. And uh, I think those are the two. Kyle Pitts will probably get some consideration, but I don't know if you can go a tight end um, in the top five. It rarely works out. I put out a stat a couple weeks ago. The only three tight ends that have been drafted in the first round that went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame were Ozzie Newsom, Kellen Winslow, and um, Tony Gonzalez. And none of those guys were top five picks. So I think that's why they'll either go Sewell, who they should take, and uh, or Chase. Now, Sewell doesn't have to be Anthony Munoz. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, nobody's Anthony Munoz, right? I, I don't think anybody's ever been that good at the position. So, um, But I think that's the right protector for Joe Burrow and investing in his future. That's Bill Bender, Sporting News, Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with Bill on the other side. Uh, some more thoughts on this quarterback class in the NFL draft. Uh, debate there on Nebraska and uh, that Power League discussion. I know we went into a second day with it from yesterday to the day, but Bill had a, a column come out on it earlier on uh, this morning. Wanted to get his take. He has Nebraska at 18, not quite in at 15, but they can uh, – 
they can move on up. Reminder about uh, your friends at West Blue Realty. If you're moving in 2021, you know what? They specialize in res- residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. You've mentioned Hale Varsity, and West Blue can give you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, the man at 402. 402- 540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312, westbluerealty.com. More with Bill Bender next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, talking with Bill Bender of the Sporting News at BillBender92 on Twitter. Some college football thoughts, his take on Nebraska's relevancy. And now uh, former Husker Zach Taylor and uh, some Cincinnati Bengals NFL draft thoughts. Uh, let's turn our attention to Kyle Pitts, the stud out of Florida, as we talk more NFL draft here a week away. Uh, a thought here on Kyle Pitts. Do you like the Calvin Johnson comps? Can he be Megatron? And that's a huge ask. But speed, size, wow factor. He was great at Florida. Does he translate? And you just you just gave me the take on... All right, you can do it as a Hall of Fame level guy, as a tight end in the NFL. Uh, and, and the three guys you mentioned were great, but Pitts is a flex guy, can present so many matchup issues as a bigger, fast slot option. I love his ability, but do you think he? Do you think he's a guy that that can translate? Oh, for sure. I think so, and I think uh, I don't know if he's Calvin Johnson. That's that's a bit high for me in terms of the comp. I think a better comparison would probably be Vernon Davis, okay. who was also drafted in the top five. Who had some years, played. had some good years. Yeah, and, and I mean, if injuries didn't get in the way with Vernon Davis, he probably is even better than he was. And uh, you know, it's something to watch with tight ends. Kyle Pitts he even had some injuries last year, so I think that's the better comp for me. I mean, Calvin, that's. He, I mean, Calvin's top five receiver in my lifetime, you mm-hmm. know, and I still it's put him in that. He's right in that discussion once you get past Jerry Rice and Randy Mollis and Terrell Owens. I think Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald come next. So, and that's a pretty bold comp for that. Um, now, Jamar Chase, I, I mean, the guy I really liked, but I mean, the thing that the, you have to watch there is obviously he sat out of here. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, we'll see how it goes. But I think the connection with Burrow would be a factor, and, and it would show that Burrow has some leverage with the direction he wants to go in with the Bengals. What's your feel on Zach Taylor? I know he's back, and I know that that Cincinnati was excited to, to get Joe, and I think Zach and Joe can work well. And what's what's the expectation? Do you worry about Zach Taylor's future if it's still another rebuilding year at Cincy? Well, they're going to have to show some progress, and I think they're in a tough division. I mean, that's arguably we've talked about that a little bit before, where you know you could say the NFC West is the best division in pro football, and that's fine. But the AFC North are three franchises that have the quarterback they want, and another that has a Hall of Fame quarterback playing on his last leg. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, that's my way of saying, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland were all in the playoffs last year. Cincinnati's got a long way to get there, but I think they've taken some steps in the right direction. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to is the the Battle of Ohio, and I wrote about it last year, kind of amping up, and Cleveland did their part last year, and be interesting to see if Cincinnati can do that. Bill Bender, Sporting News with us, Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Bender 92 Bill, we'll get you out on this, and thanks for your time. 
you know, of the of the quarterback class, and we're a week away from the draft. Uh, where are you putting your money on not named Trevor Lawrence? And maybe you're not on the Lawrence wagon about transitioning well, but if you had to, to put your confidence level in another quarterback, who's it on? Is it on Fields? Is it on Wilson? Is it on Lance? Is it on Mac Jones? Yeah, I mean, I know I'm in Central Ohio. I still think Fields is the second-best quarterback in this draft. I mean, you saw the upside when he played against Clemson. You've seen – him compete with Trevor Lawrence as the one and two quarterback in that class since high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been some criticisms of him. We get bored, right? We get bored <laughs> in this month where we start making some lazy criticisms, and I think that's something that's happened. Um, but I would still take him. A lot of people like Zach Wilson, though. I had one of my uh, friends say he reminds me of Steve Young, and I was like, man, you need to go watch some Steve Young tape and then get back to him. <laughs> I, I, one of my favorite coaches, is, he said he said the Steve Young thing, too, a lot. And I trust him because he was coaching, you know, in the Steve Young era. But I, I love Wilson. I love watching him play. I love his how fluid he is. I like the deep ball. But I'd, I'd go get fields. I'd, I'd absolutely go get fields because I think he's, he's big time. Absolutely. Hey, Bill, we'll do this again, man. We'll get caught up post-draft and, and kind of reassess. And, and thanks for the time. And I always appreciate you, you jumping on with us. And hopefully next time there's no snow on the ground. You guys are the best. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. And uh, do it again here soon. Bill Bender, Sporting News, some college football, some NFL draft, good stuff back to Nebraska. And uh, their practice today, the offense didn't show what they wanted to show. And it was a day for the defense. And, uh, a thought here, and it's been talked about, and it's gaining some steam, right, Elijah, when we talk about the the running back room, who's available, who's not, Jock Yant, uh, the, the walk-on that is scholarship good and uh, has uh, the size to play in the Big Ten. Here's what Greg Austin had to say about the back. Uh, cut 13 right here. Yeah, man, he's a big back, big fast back. You know, he plays, he plays downhill with his pads. You know, uh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna bring some thunder to you. And the offensive lineman, we got to get our ass out of the way because he might run us over. You know, um, he's taking advantage of all the reps that he's received and he's done well with them. You know, he's been active. Uh, he's doing a good job overall. Uh, so, you know, we've certainly enjoyed having him back there. But just a, you know, pretty solid guy, solid back. So. That's nice compliments from, from Greg Austin. And you know what? If, if Yant has a good spring game, stacks that, and is a viable option with maybe a Scott, uh, you want to see Morrison get back at it. You want to see him carry the football. Tompkins is looking okay, and if not very fast, obviously, but you're still waiting on Ramir, who is dinged, and uh, and then, of course, Step was supposed to be that other Big Ten back that's that's played a high level of college football. Those puzzle pieces so key on the offensive line, and you feel good about your tackle spots and the guys pushing behind a tackle, and uh, you've got Hickson behind Jurgens at center. What's going on at the guard spot? More from Coach Austin, and and really nine options on the O line to look at. The challenge is puzzling it, but then also the challenge is. Um, making sure that the guys understand 
where their value is. You got that many. They got that many guys that can play for you. You know, I mean, we we live in a world now where you know guys can transfer with free will, do whatever. I mean, you know, so you got to recruit them while they're here. You know, as you're coaching them. So you always have to make sure that you're being personable and you know doing things with them to make them feel valued. And, and that's the. It's a troubling thing. That's a tough thing. Not a troubling thing. That's a tough thing about making sure that that you can keep the guys, keep the guys intact, and you're developing your room, developing the culture of your room while you're doing it. So key to just kind of be as straight as an arrow with the guy's value, and, and that would wear me out having to, to constantly re-recruit. But it is important to be able to coach hard, criticize, coach up, and and also. Guys need to be mature enough to know that, A, you're not ready, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, or you don't know the offense, or guess what, Elijah, it takes a while to get your tricks of the trade down on both lines of scrimmage. And the thing is, is recruiting, he's talking about re-recruiting while they're at Nebraska, and the thing with recruiting is it's all about building a relationship. You obviously have to sell the amenities on you campus and the trust. team. But you need to be able to, to build that relationship with a 16, 17 year old, 18 kid, 18 year old kid, excuse me, and make them trust you. And the same goes for the guys on your roster. They can't just be your third string left guard. They can't just be your backup wide receiver. They have to be a person with a name and a face, and you have to continue to build that relationship with them as they're here, because as you said, it comes down to trust and how important is trust in a football team? Well, it's huge. I mean, it's it's end-all, be-all. Uh, you, you trust what's going on. You're going to go perform it, execute it, buy into it, believe it, and, and you get good results. You trust your coach. You're going to trust what they're what they're teaching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be different with what other coaches in the past have taught you, but you got to trust that what they're teaching you is right for the offense. And the same goes from a coach for his players. you got to trust that your players are going to be able to go execute the game plan you've given them. So Coach Austin was asked about the – the approach do you have to change your approach to guys in your room on your roster that a you're young and i'm trying to develop you so when it's your turn you're next and austin's the same dude as when he recruited you to where he's at now absolutely not not me because i love my guys so i love my guys and I take care of my guys, then few will leave. If, you, if you're up front and, and you're truthful with your boys about where they are and where you expect for them to be, then you don't have to change who you are. But if you know if you don't take care of your guys and if you're a guy that you know kind of uses guys for just their talents, then yeah, they're going to leave your ass. That's how it still works. It's pretty telling. And that's from a, a lot of years of experience from Coach Austin, if, if it's just fluff and BS and they don't like their role here, <laughs> see ya. I'm back in my dorm and I'm getting out. Now, I don't want to take this, this one comment out of context, but you got to think back to the departures we saw this offseason. Is he insinuating that maybe Juan Dale saw himself as just a talent that was being used and, and not uh, – there weren't relationships being built with him? Is that what I, could, I, could be gleaned from that? I, I hope not. And I, I mean, I, I – don't know, but I know that there was 11 coaches sent to Wandale's house to recruit him and get him flipped. He's back at Kentucky. He's closer to home, closer to mama, and that's that's important. The, the, the question of when you get into being genuine, though, were there 11 coaches here on campus that were genuinely making an effort to get to know him and, I, and build I would, that trust with him? I, you know what? I would think so. I would absolutely think so. It comes down to, you know, as a kid – 
kind of homesick? Is there other things going on? Does he want to be here? I mean, all those things play into it because mm-hmm. you, you can't complain about usage mm-hmm. as far as touches. Now, the way you were used was the issue. But no, I mean, that that was a pretty powerful comment from Austin. If you're real all the time, you don't get you no, know, you don't have to change your approach. We have time. We have time. All right. Last thought on Austin again, kind of putting a bow on the tough day the offense had. Those are my words. Uh, I wasn't there. The coaches were. And uh, they're trying to, you know, have a bounce back the next time they, they buckle it up again. I mean, I don't I don't know, you know, the things that we always talk about. We talk about, you know, being detailed and how, how much explosion, how, 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 much, how much explosive power can we put into our blocks. We talk about the finish and all of that. I, I just don't think that there's an end game to that. You know, and when I say that, I'm talking about have I gotten accomplished what we want to get accomplished? No, you know, because every single day is another day to 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 prove yourself. Every single day is another day to say, hey, we got to go. We got to attack it just like we did the day prior. I mentioned earlier today was not our standard, but we've been hitting our standard and exceeding our standard in some days prior to today. So that when it a day like today happens, you kind of have to go back and say, hey. All right, uh, this is not our standard. We got to get back to where we were, you know. So it's not a, it's not about a, an, an, an end point. It's more of a just process, just continue to work, to work the process, you know. And that's that's what we've been preaching to the boys all every day. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how you doing? Chris, I'm great, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Soon enough, we'll get into some NBA postseason. That's when I start really paying attention to the association. But there's been a lot of drama, man, with the uh, the Brooklyn Nets on paper. And occasionally, when they're all together on the court, man, this is probably the team to beat. Phillies there, obviously, and of course the Lakers and Clippers out of the West are pretty awesome as well. But man, we're talking the walking wounded here in Brooklyn, and James Harden again suffering a setback here with a hamstring issue. Yeah, it sure sounds like as I was reading through just kind of his history, you know, it sounds like he maybe tweaked this kind of around the end of March time frame, started out maybe a little gastroc or calf strain, then had to retweak it again maybe a couple weeks later, and it was more on the hamstring side. So going through a, you know, a typical recovery protocol with those, what's a kind of standard return after you know a hamstring strain? You know, if you're talking your standard run-of-the-mill sprain, strain kind of in the middle of that muscle belly on the back of the thigh, yeah, you're probably looking somewhere between you know three to six weeks. Uh, obviously, that's really variable depending on the grade of the strain. Um, so he was cruising along, it sounds like, and then they started to you know, kind of just gradually introduce more activity level, higher level things for him, and it sounds like he retweaked it. Um, sounds like they even did an MRI after that happened. And now we're getting the, the message out there that, uh, you know, indefinitely out for a while. Um, you know, so the question there becomes you know, what, what changed on that MRI? I would assume he probably had an MRI before. They tend to MRI everything, including fingernail injuries in the NBA. Mm. Um, so as you compare compare those things, if they're talking indefinitely for him versus before, given a, a kind of a true timetable, this probably is an injury that's maybe moved up a little bit higher uh, within the thigh. 
Um, just going back here to kind of remind the audience of anatomically, what are we talking about? Everybody's pretty familiar with the hamstring, but essentially where that is is on the back of your thigh. Um, it comes up and attaches up kind of on the bottom part of the gluteus uh, region up in an area called the ischial tuberosity. It's kind of the bumpy seal on the back when you sit down. And then obviously the hamstring muscles go down and attach, go back behind the knee and down on top of the uh, kind of calf area and the tibia. Um, most of the time, these strains are, again, in kind of the muscle portion, which, again, that's a good place to have it. Those heal well. They don't need any surgery. Where you start to run into troubles with these is as they start to creep further up uh, near their attachment site on that issue of tuberosity on the pelvis. That becomes more of an issue in terms of, you know, you're talking potentially surgery, but also in terms of recovery. It's just a lot longer recovery as you start to work further up on the pelvis. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking James Harden of the Nets. Another setback, his hamstring injury. I know he was doing some jogging, and uh, it, it kind of got tweaked there. He's missed the last six games. Last played on April 5th against the Knicks. So Harden uh, has been incredible when he's been healthy we're talking 25 8 in 10 we're nearly a triple double and he's worked well and, and played nice with his teammates because you had KD over there and of course Kyrie and Kyrie is his own special sort of magic when he's when he's playing so with the the hamstring here why, why do guys keep tweaking it I guess that's my question because I mean it's not just NBA it happens in the NFL it happens in baseball and once once a, a guy gets a hamstring unless you just say stay hands off it seems like guys try to rush back and it ends up costing him more time than originally just going on the shelf for a while and i know these athletes are competitive and they want a ball but man uh the hamstrings got to be one of the most annoying injuries not only to treat but also to deal with yeah, absolutely, Chris. That's that's a great point, and it is. It it's tough. You know, obviously, you, you feel for the athletes because they're dealing with it, and it's it's an easy thing to retweak. Um, it's an easy enough thing to to kind of get back, especially in those lower grade strains, to get back. To the eye. I feel just good enough to get back and play. And then what do you do? You go out and you retweak the thing, and then you set that rehab course, you know, a little further out there. Um, the hard part about these is no matter how long you kind of take that process, unless you totally just shut it down for three or four months, um, you're going to have a little bit of that kind of retweak stuff going on when you go back. Usually it's pretty mild if, you, if you're kind of at that point where you're ready to return. But if you do try to go back too early, that uh, kind of healing of that muscular area, when it heals back, it's never quite the same tissue. You know, it's a mixture of kind of some normal muscle in the area, but also a mixture of some scar tissue. Doesn't have that same firing ability, power ability, doesn't have that same kind of elastic quality. So it's pretty easy as you're, you're running, you're doing the sport, and when we say kind of retweak it, essentially what happens is, is that big muscle contracts. Mm-hmm. It starts to pull through that kind of scar tissue, um, fibroblastic area, and pull those tissues apart, and that's kind of that retweak. Then you, know, you bleed again gets irritated again and again if it's just a little kind of small area of injury then you can kind of push through that but obviously the larger that area is the more of an impact it has when you have that kind of second retweak event um, so it is tough you know again these these are always hard you know there's no kind of black and white on when to return with these things it's just kind of a battle and you kind of struggle through it for that first kind of anywhere from six to eight mm-hmm. weeks on your way back sometimes you just deal with it for the rest of the season 
Um, the biggest thing is, is just making sure that, you know, you're protecting their strength. you got to get them back to that kind of close to that full strength level. And number two, you've got to be so careful about making sure that's not creeping up onto that tendon that hooks onto mm-hmm. the pelvis. That's where you got to be careful. What kind of, of work can you do while you're on the mend to stay in shape or stay strong while not making this this region worse? And with Harden, he's so good at his side-to-side movement and then the way he can accelerate and get downhill to the rim on top of his his step-back game, the, the, the hamstring, how... How temperamental is this with with his game, knowing how he likes to play ball? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another good question and a good point. It's going to be a bit of an issue, obviously, with with the things he likes to do. Anytime you're talking that explosiveness, that's going to have an impact upon that, both just in terms of when can he get back feeling strong enough to do it, and then number two, having a little bit of that hesitancy, wondering if he's going to retweak it when he starts doing it again. So you'll kind of battle some of that mental aspect of it. Um, you know, what can you do during this time? The, the biggest thing with these is, you know, an early kind of aggressive therapy program for some gentle stretching, some gentle range of motion, um, doing some kind of e-stem stuff to kind of contract that muscle to get it going a little bit, obviously not at a high level early. Um, and those are some things you can kind of do early on, um, but obviously given enough time where those tissues have the time to kind of remodel and reform appropriately. There are some, you know, biologic age you could think about in the situation. Um, they didn't say specifically if they tried these, but they may have. Um, using a thing called PRP, which we've mm-hmm. talked about before in here on the show, platelet rich plasma, where you take out your blood, spin it down in the centrifuge, use that top layer of fluid, which has, you know, some really great healing factors, the most common of which is called platelet derived growth factor. You can inject that right into that injury area and hopefully help to promote some healing there. Typically, it takes two or three of those shots to have the best benefit. Um, so that'd be something they may have tried with them already. That's kind of some of the what we call magic sauce they may use to do that. Um, but outside of that, it's just a gradual return, slow program, making sure you're protecting that tendon towards the top near its attachment. Dr. Brandon Seifert. Dr. Brandon, thanks so much for the time today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast. Elijah Herbal will get that up shortly. Also, some two-minute drills, some of the best of the interview portions today. Bill Bender, Mike Babcock, Shuey. So good stuff from them. ESPNLincoln.com. The on-demand also uh, is uh, key for you. ESPN Lincoln on Twitter. And uh, with the podcast, find us, Heard Ad Media, and uh, a slew of podcasts to pick out and check out from Hale Varsity and also the entertainment uh, and uh, comedy world through Heard Ad. So, Check those out and find our podcast, Hail Varsity Radio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Good, Bad, or Ugly. Give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Tomorrow, we'll hear from Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, with some best bets for you. So we spent all all day today kind of recapping practice. And uh, again, Greg Austin's words, 
Coach Becton's words, not up to the standard. But it wasn't all bad for the offense. Uh, Thomas Fedoni turned some heads in practice today per his position coach, Coach Becton. Well, just today was the best practice he's had since he's been here. Um, it's been a step-by-step process with him. Uh, he's coming to work as uh, soon as he's gotten here, and we've given him a lot of information, and he's done an uh, unbelievable job. My goal for him, I'm, I told him I'm going to press him on every single detail that he when he's in. You know, same thing with Carney. But, but Fedoni has really, really improved since day one. And he's only going to get better from here. Uh, he, the sky's the limit with him. He, he caught maybe four or five passes a day. Or really had a really good scrimmage. Uh, he's starting to understand the techniques and how to practice uh, on the college level. Um, and this is his best day by far. Um, so I'm really, really proud of where he's gone. Uh, we just got to keep pressing him to continue on. He's going to help this football team this year. More on that growth from Fedoni. That's where um, he's all—he's a physical kid, but you know, far as understanding the footwork and technique, hand placement, he was kind of deficient in. And today, he put it all together for us. I walked him off the field, coming off the field, uh, told him how proud I was of him, and continue to work and continue to progress, and don't go back from here. So I'm really excited where he is. So by now, between uh, social media, print media radio, probably some TV, the offense is sick of hearing about their day. So if you're a betting man, would you put a little money down that the offense will be a little more spark-filled tomorrow? Sure hope so. (laughs) Sure hope so. You'd think, right? So what is for dinner tonight? For me? Yeah, I asked Damon this. I asked you. uh, Has Dad got something going on the grill for you? Not that I know of. So there's no, hey, stop on by for beer and tacos text? I wish. I wish. So it's, it's what at home? I don't even know. Actually, I could just go some easy like spaghetti. That'd be really easy. I don't. I have, I have zero plans. It's been a. It's been a homework type of day. I'm trying to finish up my Spanish class right now. <laughs> Lo siento. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't even know that. So what, <laughs> dude? I'm the worst Spanish student in the history of Nebraska. Hey, I didn't go to college to learn Spanish. No kidding. Right. <laughs> Uh, we'll be you to, back at you tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.